Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Welcome to the last lap podcast. Dobre, prazale pozledam krugi podcast. Excellent. <laughs> I have some hope that that is somewhere passable Russian for welcome to the last lap podcast. It probably isn't. Um, <laughs> I am expecting Vladimir Putin in the KGB to be kicking down my door in five minutes time and arresting me for crimes against the state. Um, but if it's a Russian intro you want, it's a Russian intro you get because it was the Russian Grand Prix this last weekend. High hopes for the new track. Lots of uh, praise coming from the drivers saying it was a very nice track to drive and that they were all wrong that the simulator said, you know, made them think it was very boring, but this was going to be a good race. And the GP2 race was full of action and safety cars and stuff. So it was a GP3. They had a big pile up in the GP3 race yes. as well at the very start. So, yeah, I was quite looking forward to it myself. Uh, speaking of GP2, actually, whilst I think about it, congratulations, Julian Palmer. Of course, yeah. GP2 champion. Um First British uh, GP2 champion since uh, Lulu, a certain Mercedes driver. So yeah, it's funny. I was looking at the list of GP2 winners, and it 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 starts off really well. He's got a guy like Lewis Hamilton and Nico Rosberg, and then it goes to like Roman Grosjean. Like, okay, and then it's Pastor Maldonado. You go, oh dear, and like <laughs> the last two haven't even made it into Formula One. So it's just like, hmm. GP2 mm. maybe not be the feeder series we once thought it was. That's true, actually. That's a good point. You know, and I mean, you look at K-Mag, he didn't even go through GP2. Uh, you look at guys like Fiat and um, Max Verstappen, they've not gone through GP2. So, yeah, it's just a, an interesting little side point there, actually. Never th- I hadn't thought of that, about that. Yeah, indeed. Um, my upcoming favourite driver as. I'm pretty sure he will be eventually become Stoffel van Dorn cuts the lead to uh, Felipe Nasr in second place to just eight points. I've not really been following GP2, but that's remarkable. It's, it's the last time I've seen it. Um, yeah, that's... Uh, van Dorn doesn't, doesn't have the, the car underneath him in the way that Nasr does, does he? No. No, he must be doing a really excellent job there. Well, and the, the funniest thing <laughs> is if he, I look back at the race results and Nasr scored pretty much consistently every race. Um, and Van Dorn had um, about uh, had I think it was two race days, so that's four races where he didn't score anything at all, and yet he's still eight points behind, you know, Felipe Nezer in second now, and looking much more likely to actually be able to get score <laughs> score those eight points in the last. I uh, can't remember if it's one or two rounds left for GP2. It's not. There's not much left of the season. Um, it's a shame there isn't many vacancies of Formula One, but. That's another story. <laughs> That's a whole other story. That's several other stories, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, so let's let's talk about the the Grand Prix that has just gone by, the uh, Russian Grand Prix in Sochi, Sochi, uh, Sochi. Anything Sochi? else? Yeah. Sochi, possibly. So- <laughs> <laughs> so- Sochi, as far as I was concerned. Yeah, yes. absolutely. Um, purpose-built uh, street circuit. I don't understand how that works. How do you have a purpose-built street circuit? Yeah, that's it's it, it's silly because 
it's like they're trying to they've seen the success of Monaco over the years and and maybe a bit of Albert Park's been quite successful and they're successful because they happened organically and they've tried to replicate that like purpose purpose building one and it just it's never going to work out the same as what the natural things like Monaco and and Melbourne and even Canada have they're all excellent uh, racetracks but they weren't like you say, purpose built, custom built to be a street circuit. They've tried to they've taken what they think is the best aspects of those tracks and tried to to try to do it. And it, it, that things like that is never it's never going to work out the same. You have to let these things just happen. It's uh, as you may be able to tell from my tone, I didn't really like the circuit. <laughs> like Valencia all over again. They tried that with Valencia and it didn't really work out. What do you think about the track? You know, I think they tried some more interesting things. Um, I don't think it's as badly designed as, say, Valencia or Abu Dhabi um, or even Bahrain. I think those are badly designed tracks. I think the Russian one almost could have been something, but it's it's just too easy. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so little penalty doing anything i just i don't think that i don't think that promotes a good race really in the um in the end of it i mean we'll, we'll guess we'll talk about some other bits but it's just the bit that sticks in my mind about it all was there was a point where kevin magnuson was battling with john eric Verne, and Verne was just able to stick on the wrong side of all of the corners for about three corners practically off the track and I'm pretty sure he went off the track at some point and it was of no penalty to him so what's the point why bother having track limits just fucking just just make the whole thing track wide and just see what people do it's just it's pointless I don't I don't see the point of flat tracks you know they tried to put some camber in in a couple of corners and that didn't really work so what else what else can you do really no, I don't know. <laughs> I'm not a track designer, unfortunately. I'd love to be. I think it'd be quite fun. But yeah, I don't. I don't know. I don't know what the solution is because every new track that we seem to be building isn't really that good. Do you know the la- uh, ironically the the next track we're going to is the last track yeah, I would well, say that was built Texas. Yeah, yeah. Recently, there was any, and the reason why it's interesting is because they took corners from existing tracks and put them all mm. into one track. And so it's not flat, and it's not like all the other tracks, and it actually races like a racing track. Well, duh. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not designed to be a road. It's designed to be a racetrack. And that that's what it comes down to, I think. Feels like they've forgotten that, though. <laughs> Very much so, yeah. Um, I think somebody put it nicely on the Planet F1 comment section on one of the things that these tracks are just... Um, play things for you know rich people to drive their cars around on and then once once a year go and drink some champagne whilst watching formula one cars go past they don't care it doesn't matter to them racing doesn't matter to them and the sport doesn't matter to them it's all about you know i can drive my <laughs> road car ferrari around here when i want and then come and watch a ferrari go past in my <laughs> billionaire box wherever it is and and that's all it comes down to. It's rich people's playthings. Exactly the same in Abu Dhabi. Exactly the same in Bahrain. Yeah. You know? No, it's just, you're absolutely spot on. 
It's a shame. <laughs> this is a really fucking upbeat way to start the show, Sean. Dear God. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. But it was that It was that it was bad. That bad. <laughs> uh, well, let's start with qualifying then. Um, uh, Lewis from Nico by uh, two-tenths of a second. That looked pretty nailed on all weekend. Lewis had been... Yep. He just had it, didn't he? This weekend just had that edge. I think the two tenths actually was probably about as good as Nico did the whole weekend, really. Um, Valtteri Bottas, uh, only four tenths behind. Really good showing from the Williams here. Yeah. Um, My joy of joys to have Jensen Button um, and technically, you know, uh, Kevin Magnussen right up there. Um, Button only six tenths off of the Mercedes and that you know there was a point in the season that I thought if they'd got it down to 1 1.6 I'd be happy you know to go to a track and be you know on it that you know the, enough to be that close to them was uh, was really encouraging mm-hmm. um, as I, a McLaren fan a couple yes. of good like Japan was good for them as well you I think you mentioned a few months ago that you expected McLaren to, to be able to develop throughout the season more so than their, their championship rivals in Force India just because they will have a, a bit more greater resources at their available. They, they will have a slightly bigger budget and things like that. And you've been proved absolutely spot on, whereas Force India have kind of stayed almost at the same level. And like McLaren and Williams and the slightly bigger teams have all progressed around them. And before Sunday, I've gone back the way we bit. It's one so of those just... things, isn't it? Is that at the start of the season, everybody was about 1.6, 1.8 seconds behind the Mercedes. And now you look at it, the Ferraris are 1.2. You know, the Red Bulls are anywhere between 1.2 and 7, seven tenths, depending on the circuit and whether it suits their car or not. You know, M- McLaren are getting it down to the 6, 7 tenths. Um, and Williams are at 4 tenths. It just shows that if you do nothing, you're right, you stay in exactly the same place, but you actually get further and further away from the front of the grid. Mm-hmm. Uh, Everybody around you, the bigger teams are going to improve. That's just what they do. And I think you can, you know, I don't think Williams have a massive budget, so I think it goes to show that it, it can be done without, um, what was it? It was something like uh, Mercedes spent £325 million development-wise this season. Biggest budget, I think, that there is... I think that there's ever been, or at least recorded that there's ever been, um, 17% up from the previous season. So, you know, yes, you can you can chuck money out and get rewards, but, you know, if Williams can be, be coming in second, you know, they're not spending that much, so... Yeah, definitely. Makes you, like, makes you have that soft spot for Williams that even bit more, eh? They're kind of like the underdog, the working man's team, aren't they, you know? The, well, the you... lower budget, you know? It's a, it's a bit of a throwback, almost. Well, that's kind of that's kind of what I was just going to say. Really, if you think about Williams and McLaren, they are not they're the they are the racing teams. They're the non-manufacturing teams with no no backing from a a works car unit of any kind. Um, mm-hmm. We should cherish those teams, you know, absolutely. absolutely. And and Sauber, you know, teams that have been in it for a while, uh, and really Force India as well. We should, you know, we should. Well, we Force should... India are Jordan at the end of the day, aren't they? So they're, yeah. They're, so yeah, I mean. Eddie Jordan was for the time that he spent as a team boss was was good. That that kind of guy's always good for the sport. That the 
the guy who just loves Formula One and puts his heart and soul into owning a team because that's what he does, that's what he wants to do. Like you say, yeah, cherish that. Because there's not much of that left. <laughs> no, and Bernie seems fairly intent on um, destroying the rest out. of it. So, yeah. uh, well, there you go. It's something we've that's something we've talked ad nauseum about. I'm I'm loath to continue to talk about the wealth inequality in Formula One and stuff like that. But it's this is this is what you get, guys. This <laughs> is you know, this is how it goes. So let's get on to the race then. Um, at least we can rattle our way through this at a fair pace. I think. Um, it's about, it's <laughs> like about you three said to laps me. of action, really, isn't it's it? It's like you said to me, lap two, and then lap 52. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. Um, good start. Uh, both Mercedes got away well. Uh, and then, you know, the, the biggest talking point, I guess, from the entire race happened on the very... Was it? Is it the first corner? It's kind of like a second the corner, second, isn't it? Because it there's a... There's a, there's a a non-breaking corner, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, well, the, turn one is... Apparently they were saying it's the longest actual break to a thing because they don't break for the curve. It's a bit like Maggots and Beckett's in that way in that they're corners, but they're not corners. They're not it's, breaking zones. It's it's a kink that requires you to generally maybe probably lift off or... You I know. think about 130R as well, like 130R is like that, and that's flat out, and it's a you, you couldn't call 130R not a corner. No. But, like, yeah, it's, it's flat. So but, I mean, you'd hope it's flat anyway. In, in a way, it's the second corner, but it really, it's just the end of... <laughs> it's the actual first braking zone of what would be classed as a proper corner, I guess. And unfortunately, we were more or less denied a race by what happened at this corner. Nico goes up the inside, gets a nice slipstream. It's looking quite good for him. And then he just completely outbreaks himself and has probably the biggest lockup I've ever seen in Formula One. Well, for a long time, because they're so <laughs> careful about their damn tyres, isn't it? You yeah. just don't see people slam on the anchors that hard for that long. It's just. He still didn't get the thing slowed down, runs wide, and then uh, he gets in front, but he's obviously gone off the circuit, so he gives the place back. And by that point, you know. <laughs> the 50 heads tyre. Yeah, his tyres are. <laughs> they're gone aren't they I mean they made quite a big deal about that saying in the pre-show and stuff that this was not a circuit to flat and spot your tyres like whatever you do don't flat spot your yeah. tyres guys and then Nico fucking throws it down the inside <laughs> into the first turn the weirdest thing was that it seemed <laughs> like he not only he got the slipstream and, and then got in front he, of Lewis yeah, was he then tried position. to outbreak him as well and I just think well surely you, should, you could have broke you know you were you're you were a nose ahead of him at the right braking zone. Surely all you've got to do is you know you don't have to completely outbreak the guy. Just go into the corner and and take the line. He's gonna you know be pushed out and you you're fine. You can you can naturally take the corner. I think. Do you know what I mean? In the opposite way of of Spa, where he got the inside of him and wasn't far enough ahead to assert dominance and left his car and then fucked everything up. He did the opposite here. He got ahead. Um, and then was too keen to get on the brakes. And, uh, yeah, just I mean, a bit of a baffling decision. I mean, he, you know, he came out at the end of the race and, and said it, that it was his mistake and, you know... Yeah, he's a human being. He'd even been told at the start of the race, don't try and go for it into the first corner. And he did, and oh dear. He's a human being at the end of the day. He made a mistake. He admitted it. Fair enough, fair play for that. But like you said, he... Uh, he had it done almost. It looked as if he had it done at that, uh, at one point, and on another day he might have got in front, and we would have had a brilliant, um, a brilliant race. Unfortunately, and this time it didn't work out. 
at least he was man enough to admit that he was it was his well his error. You know, it's it's always a good quality to have in a human being, man enough to to admit when you're you're in the wrong, and he was. And, and that was it. <laughs> that was all she wrote, really, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> they had to pit, obviously, for those tyres. Uh, like I say, this is not a circuit you want to flat spot your tyres, and Nico goes and does that right away. So he comes into the pits, uh, sticks on a set of mediums. He st- all the top ten started on the super soft, uh, the, the soft, sorry. So he sticks on a set of mediums, and I'm thinking, okay, probably two stop here. Stick on a set and just just hammer it just just take all the life out of them not that you have to take some doing to do that on this circuit but just just push every single lap from now until the end 50 qualifying laps and make two stops i thought that would be the strategy in the end though they they, they went to the end didn't they 50 laps on one set of tires yes it's, i mean in the pirelli era is just mind-boggling really i think jensen said it he heard on the team radio he was racing Jensen briefly and the and McLaren boys said to Jensen says Jensen Nico's going to go to the end so we'll need to cover him and Jensen just said what go to the end he's not going to do that there's no way he can go to the end <laughs> but then he did <laughs> no it was surprising there was a definite point in it where it looked like his tyres were about to go off um, but they did that funny thing which the Pirellis occasionally do which is just clean up yeah and uh, you know he got all the speed back and I think that, you know, um, I was watching it on Sky Plus. Um, other recording facilities are available uh, until Sky sponsor us, in which case then Sky Plus will be the only way to watch Formula One. Uh, <laughs> um, and you know, I'd watched the whole thing up until about lap 47. And then it was just like, okay, well, all I'm waiting for is Nico's tyres to go off so that Bottas can catch up with him. So, like, I fast-forwarded two laps, and the gap was the same. Yeah. I fast-forwarded another three laps. The gap was the same. And then I fast-forwarded to the last lap of the race, and and the the gap gap was the same. same. And it was just like, well, what the fuck? You know, the only chance of any kind of excitement just evaporated, and it was just like, well, what's the fuck? There was just, like, no deg at all. Like, like even, um, uh, not Sergio Perez, um... Fuck, who's, who's the other one? Gutierrez. Esteban, uh, yes. Esteban Gutierrez. He did something like 35 laps on the super, uh, the, the softer tyres, the yellow mark tyres. He he did he did a phenomenal amount of, on that on the on the allegedly weaker rubber. Uh, there was just no degradation at all, pretty much. So it was just a case of hit because you're, you're by... Um, by the rule forced to you had they had to make their one uh, yeah. their one tire stop and they probably all could have went to the end on on no stops if if that was an option because essentially they said it after the race that's basically what Nico did he basically did a no stopper didn't he he put it on lap one the only one who it didn't work out for was Massa who did the same mm. he also pitted right away because he was out of position from qualifying. But he didn't manage to go all the way. He did two stops. He must have been the only guy in the entire field that did the extra stop, I think. And it didn't didn't really work out for him, I don't think. So No, no, not at all. Yeah, it just it was just such a weird a strange race where like 'cause we've become so accustomed to seeing rubber go off so quickly. And in some circuits, you know, you're doing qualifying on these tires and then you're coming in in lap five 
when the deg's high. You know, it's like, right, like get these off as soon as you can. And it was just so strange to have the complete polar opposite. Yeah. In, a, in an era where we've been absolutely trained to expect Pirelli chaos. With the it, it very it harkened back to the Bridgestone days, didn't it? Where mm-hmm. and the, as I was saying to you earlier, like the only at least then you had the refueling, so mm. there was still strategy. You know, this there was no there was literally no strategy to this. It was like do half the race, pit, do the second half of the race. As long as you don't make an arse of the pit stop and forget to put a wheel on or whatever, you, the the uh, nothing's going to happen. It's just in and out as you were. It was, it's, it, was the, it was an example of my least favourite thing about modern Formula One. Like, it was a, this kind of race is my least favourite type of race where there's just no strategy. For me, strategy is one of the biggest things that I love about F1. Yep. When I grew up on F1 as, when I was younger, it was all about the refueling days. It was all about, you know, shall we go long and quality on the fuel so that we can... Uh, do a different strategy in the race and things like that. And it was all about watching that unfold as you go. And you never quite knew what was going to happen because someone would come in and they'd do a 15-second pit stop and you'd go, oh, wow, he's put 15 seconds. He's going to go right to the end or whatever. And it was that always that uncertainty of what everybody was doing. With this, you just knew, okay, now they're all going to come in and then they're all going to go back out again and it's going to make absolutely not a blind bit of difference. And then they're going to go to the end and they're going to finish basically in grid order. And then they they pretty much did finish in grid order. Like I think is it the top four were in grid order. Uh, so yeah, like this was an example of my least favorite type of F one <laughs> at the moment, basically. Yeah. No. no, no, absolutely no strategy, and then no, no racing either. It's just what is going on here. Yeah. Um. So that's Lewis and Nick had sort of covered realistically. Um, Bottas had an even less eventful race than uh, than either of those two. Um, was just third the entire time, not troubled by the people behind him, not able to catch up to the people in front of him. Done. There was there was maybe about a few laps, like you say, there was a maybe between five and ten laps where it was like, oh, is Nico going to be able to hang on to this? Is Bottas and Button going to steal the podium from him or whatever? But like you said, it then just became evident that that wasn't going to happen. That they had it like at the start. I thought, um, when Nico came out down the field, I think one of the commentators said, "Oh, it'll be a remarkable effort if he gets it to to the podium from there." Mercedes said to him on the radio, "Oh, we're targeting a podium, Nico. It'll be fine. We'll get podium." And the commentators and that were like, "Oh no, that surely not. That's never going to be able to get a podium from there." But then, then he he just literally said, "He'll be lucky to get fourth. Yeah. And okay. then, it, and then he just drove it to the end, like like nothing had happened, but, and and it was proven because they were doing fastest laps. Like I know they had the fuel burning off, but Nico did a fastest lap on like fifty lap old yeah. tires. Like like literally in the last two or three laps of the race, he did a fastest lap at one point on tires that that were fifty laps old. Like it's just insane. <laughs> no, very very bizarre. Just quickly before we move on. Uh, Nico did look like a guy, and that just going back to the first corner, he did look like a guy who was feeling the pressure. Hmm. Did you see the thing about David Croft? Yes. Had, had allegedly had a little <laughs> joke at him about feeling the pressure or something. So I th- think he was maybe, I don't know whether it had any part to play in the incident or not, but he was going for it a bit, maybe a bit more than he would have normally had. I don't know. I think yeah. 
with Lewis being on pole and taking the, the lead in the championship this last couple of rounds, he has looked like a man under pressure a little bit this weekend. And you have to wonder whether Lewis's experiences in 2007, beaching the McLaren and then coming back to win the title the next year, that has to surely give him an edge. You can't buy that kind of title challenge and experience. This is Nico's first ever time being in any kind of situation like this. So I think Lewis, Lewis has got his number on that one. I think he'll handle the pressure a little bit more. At the yeah. start of the season, I might not have agreed with that. At the start of the season, I might have said, Rosberg looks like the kind of man that will handle pressure well. But just I mean, a, it, the it's... last few races, the way things have gone, especially after Spa and the, the instant in Spa, I think it's starting to get to him. I think it's very much, it seems, that at the start of the season, when everything was up in the air, he was just racing race by race. And then as soon as it came down to the fact that it was, you know, you can really win this thing and you've got to beat your teammate, and then it suddenly became a target, uh, that has affected him negatively. Whereas I think mm. Lewis was almost too desperate at the start of the season to assert himself, assert his dominance, show everybody that, you know, now with the car and the engine and everything he was going to win a world championship and that was what cost him. And then suddenly he found himself at the point where he was chasing and chasing and chasing and chasing. Um, and that allowed him to defocus from, you know, um, being stressed about getting the achievements to just concentrating on winning races because he needed to do so um, much more than just winning races to win the championship in a sort of ethereal sense. Um, mm-hmm. And that seems to have played into his hands. Now, now Lewis is the one that's focused, and Rosberg is the one that's that's jittery and making mistakes. So yeah, absolutely. I wonder if Lewis does go on to win the world title, whether Rosberg will perhaps maybe be better off next season for the experience. You might see a more calm and focused Rosberg next season, having gone through his own title fight. Because, like I said, he's never really been in this position before. He's won at the odd race here and there the last couple of seasons, but. Never, he's never been in this position at all. It's difficult, so, isn't it? You, you can go one of two ways, can't you? You can do that or you can kind of end up being Eddie well, Irvine or... I would call it the Felipe Massa effect. Felipe Massa, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Always 2008. And then, and then after 2008, he just didn't have... Well, obviously had his accident and then post-accident, it was never, never recaptured anything of what he had before. No, I just... You know, I wonder how many times... You know, how damaging it is... I'd love to see Nico, you know, if Lewis does go and win the title, which I think he will now, I'd love to see Nico take that and just light a fire up his ass and come out next season and just just, just nail it from the word go. But wait well, and see, like you say, it's all about mental mental fortitude and that. Like, you've got to handle defeat in the right way. You've got to be able to take defeat well. A lot of people haven't taken defeat well over the years, so... No, indeed. We're uh, talking like Lewis has already won the title. I mean, I think he will now. I'd be surprised if he doesn't. But, uh, yeah, we'll never know. Never know what might happen, eh? No. No, absolutely. Um, So, fourth place, the Mercurial Jensen Button. Um, good drive. Very you know, good drive. Very good drive. Um, I think people have felt that, you know, perhaps he's not had the the best speed maybe of the season and and what have you but i think this race he showed you know he's capable of making that mclaren go 
just as fast as it's possible for it to go. Um, you know, he. What what can you say? He he was in the third best car of the day. Um, so really, fifth was all he should have thought about. Had there been two Williams and two Mercedes in front of him, um, and as it was, he ended thirty seconds off of the lead, which is you know really good going these days you know especially with those mercedes capable of just pulling out so much time in most of the other races so that's just really good news for him i think it 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 kind of shows that it's not about just experience of tracks you know it's not that he's driven them so many times he's that's why he's better you know he's gone to a brand new track and shown that general experience allows you to you know, adapt quick and get on with your job. Yep, absolutely. Um, uh, like you say, he was 30 seconds uh, behind. But, you know, I meant to mention this a minute ago, but Lewis, did you, like when you run board with Lewis, like he looked like he had so much pace in that car. Like I think he could have probably pulled out far more than what he did. He was coasting all the way, saving engine mileage and all of that. So... Um, but that takes taking that away for Jensen, like you said, he was in the fourth best car, uh, the third best car on the day, and he and he and he put it exactly where he should have, like and he and he beat his teammate. So when you're racing for a drive, uh, first thing you've got to do is beat your teammate, and he did. So so well done to Jensen for that one. Hmm. Uh, it was was it? He was how many seconds was Magnussen behind? Uh, 20, 20 odd. Four, is it? Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, like, Magnussen had his own almost adventures with the, the gearbox. He changed the gearbox in qualifying, so that put him a little bit... It went uh, down to 11th. So out of it, position, yeah. So it, Finishing fifth, I think, is, is very good, because he had yeah. to, um, you know, he got past... Um, who did he get past? Uh, was it Perez, Raikkonen, Vettel, Ricardo, and Alonso? To get that place, yeah, you know, yeah, he's beating, beating a Ferrari, a couple of Red Bulls, and ironically, the only person that gave him any trouble on his way through was John Eric Fucking Vern. <laughs> was the only car that ever, you know, didn't he didn't just sort of pretty much breeze past on his way to getting up to fifth. Um, I, think, I think this race showed how far the McLarens have come, and it was a very Mercedes-dominated track anyway. But like the, uh, like I mean, the engine obviously not just the. The, yeah, the team, but yeah, and the um, but yeah, to to have a Magnussen qualify out of well, he did he qualified okay, but then dropped down to the gearbox issue, but still be able to have the the raw pace in the McLaren on race day to to battle with the Red Bulls and the Ferraris and then beat them fairly solidly, as you know, you got to say well done McLaren, you've done a good job there, you've 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 come on. Because for the last two or three seasons, you know, they haven't really improved the way they maybe should have. And, and now now they are. I suppose it's positive signs for next season. You know, they've come on strongly this season. Now stick a Honda unit in the back of the car and see see what can happen. Maybe they'll... And the, you know, and the former Red Red Bull aerodynamicist. Uh-huh, yeah. You know. So, yeah. Is, he, can, is he working with them right now, isn't he? I think so, yes. I'm I sure would, he... I just wonder, you know... You think there's I anything just, in that? Just wonder if there's just a bit, just, just certainly can't good, hurt, can it? Just the good bits being bolted onto the front of the car to give it the. Because the problem with McLaren, isn't it, is it has been that it's been 
unable to work the tires generally very well. You know, they're, they're, it's not um, pushing hard enough into the track to generate the heat into the tires. And I wonder if, you know, Bromaru's come in and just said, well, you know, the first things that we can do with is stick this here and this here, and that's gonna do, you know, do this and and that's that's suddenly got them working with the tires and just being able to be on the pace quicker because they seem to the, the race pace was always good from the Clarens, which which always suggested that it took time for the car to get to anywhere decent and uh, maybe they're just able just to turn it on a little bit you know that little bit quicker um uh, and and get on it um you know they were they were struggling to get into the the speed traps in some of the other previous races and they were both they were both in the top sort of tet ten speed stuff so it's not it's obviously not all downforce per se but like I say, I, I I just get the feeling there's something that's been added to this car in the last three or four races, something that's just been produced that, that's gone onto the car. It's taken them a little while to work out exactly how to get the most out of it, but now it's starting to come good, and, you know, the cars are going to be pretty much the same next season, so mm -hmm. it's it's looking good. It's got to be a positive sign. I've said that a couple of times on the show the last few weeks. I'd love to see all the teams improve. I want to see Williams, McLaren, Ferrari and Red Bull, regardless of my, you know, Ferrari allegiance in terms of who I'm a fan of. I want to see them all improve on this season because as much as I've quite enjoyed a lot of the Hamilton-Rosberg fights this season, it is like the one-man show of Mercedes is becoming a little bit, yeah, a bit, bit frustrating. So... You really want to see it. all four of those teams really, really take it to them next season. So good, yeah. I mean, I'm happy that McLaren. I'm good. McLaren's good for F1, I think. So. Yeah, absolutely. No, absolutely. So, you know, um, always better to have more competitive teams than just one. You know, and it happens. You know, there's there's always times when a team just gets it right far beyond all the rest of the competitors, and it's a silly season where they where they walk it easily. Um, that's the nature of the game. It is. Just means one team's done a good job. It's um, it's only when you get it for four fucking seasons in a row <laughs> that it starts to become really fucking irritating. And their figurehead then, is um, Christian Horner. Yeah. <laughs> and with a talismanic yeah. yet irritating German as a driver. Hmm. So yeah, that was um, the McLarens. Good uh, good effort from both of them. Uh, the uh, Fernando Alonso was the next in line. Another solid sixth. If unspectacular, dragging that Ferrari to nothing, nothing special, but at the same time, twenty seconds better than his teammate, which he's done for the last so many years. It's the same every week from Fernando. Like he just, he just, he's able to take that absolutely rank average Ferrari and and put it absolutely as high as it's possible going to go. Like it was never going to be able to really challenge anything with a Mercedes unit in the back of it, but he's beating everything else. So. Please stay, Fernando. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. But, um, yeah, a good enough drive. And he had a problem in the pit stop as well, uh, which cost him a few seconds. He might have been closer to the back of Magnussen had he not had that problem. But, yeah, just a typical Fernando Alonso drive, really. Getting the job done, getting the best out of the car, and and outperforming his teammate again. And like we said so many times last season that, oh, Massa isn't keeping up with Fernando, but... Neither's Kimi Raikkonen, and he's a world champion and the Iceman, so maybe Fernando's just that damn good. Aye. Um, 
don't really remember a lot from his race, to be honest, other than just... No, just other than his, his dodgy pit stop was really pretty much it. He yeah. had a bit of a tussle with Kevin Magnussen, but it didn't last long enough to really be... Um, to be a sort of real that, battle. I think they tussled before the pit stop, and then when he came out... Yeah, that's what it, I mean. And he had Sorry. the problem, and then he... And that was it, because he'd lost five, six seconds or whatever in the pit stop, and then Magnussen was down the road, and the nature of the circuit was you didn't seem to get... It seemed to be impossible for anybody to close because they were all kind of just going round in formation almost. And unless you had a vet, no, there was no tire deck, as we've already mentioned. So there was no, you're able to gain a few tenths a lap or anything like that. There was all just much of a muchness because outside of the Mercedes and to a small extent, the, uh, the Williams, there isn't a lot between like McLaren and Red Bull and Ferrari and stuff. You see that in the qualifying times, like there's not an awful lot in them. So when you're only maybe a tenth, two tenths slower mm. than your competitor, and your competitor's ten seconds down the road, you're never gonna you're never gonna be able to to even if you put in ten quali laps at absolutely full full pelt, you're you're still gonna struggle to really make any inroads. So that was the problem here. Like as soon as you got five, six seconds in front of someone behind you, you were kind of comfortable. And that was proven at the end with the Rosberg and Bottas fight. Yes. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, just just frustrating race a little bit. Uh, uh, behind, behind, Danny Rick uh, ends up in front of Sebastian Vettel. I don't remember when that happened. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not 100% sure either. I think it must have been in the pit stop because he pitted really early, Danny Ricciardo. Yeah. Because like Brando said in commentary, there wasn't really a set strategy. But because these tyres pretty much had no deg, they were kind of just pitting whenever they felt like it, almost. Like, should we, should we do it now? Like, almost. So you had fucking Rosberg and Massa lap two, and you had a guy like Danny Ricciardo who was like, oh, we'll roll the dice, I think, around lap 20. And then you had others saying, no, we'll wait till lap 30, lap 35. So I think, um, I think Ricciardo was one of the outside of the Rosberg... Massa situation, he was one of the first to pit. So he comes in, grabs a set of mediums and goes to the end and he pitted, I think, it must have been a good few, a good handful of laps before Vettel. I can't remember the exact amount. And then in the end, I think he just came out in front of him. I think he must have just nailed it on the outlap and on the a few laps in the outlap and, and did enough to get by Vettel. And I think that was that was it, really. Yeah, it's the only thing I can think of. Um... It was interesting to see the two of them have a, a good on on track tussle. Mm-hmm. Um, good to see Danny going, getting held up, and uh, sort of ask for Seb to move out of the way. That's always fun. Yeah, um, and kind of good to see the Rebel team not actually get him out of the way. Um, uh, you know, I'd, I'd I'd quite like to see those two actually drive it to the end of the season against one another. Daniel is not going to win the world title. It would, you know, it's just it requires too much other stuff to happen for it to be Christian really, Honor, really. Christian Honor is good as admitted that on the on the on the the show. Uh, he said that it was not going to happen pretty much in a month of Sundays. So I think they're quite happy for them to just, from what I can tell, anyway, just just duel it out. I mean, it kind of makes sense in a way because the more on track they've got those two dueling now that Seb's going the more the more airtime they get so it's you know it's sensible to not make it as simple as mm-hmm. <laughs> Daniel rocks up to the back of Sebastian asks him to get out of the way Sebastian gets out of the way and 
we're all done with. So, you know, that's good. But and I'm still glad that Daniel won. So that's that's all positive from my point of view. Uh, Kimi Raikkonen, and why do we keep on talking about him every week? Because he's doing nothing. <laughs> he's, he's unfortunately doing nothing. Ain't nobody got time to talk about Kimi Raikkonen. It's just. Like I say, I think that's just the pace of the pace of the Ferrari, and it's just Fernando Alonso's goddamn ability that's getting it two or three tenths further up the road. Oh, I, I, it's the same. Like the fact that Massa was in the exact same boat as Raikkonen last season, I think the Ferrari is just that you know mediocre, and if and Fernando's able to extract a little bit of of good out of it now and again. I don't think Raikkonen's doing an inherently terrible job. It's just an inherently terrible Ferrari. Yeah. No, that's probably true. Uh, Sergio Perez rounds up the point scoring positions in 10th. That, that uh, was sort of the last of the decent battles, was it not? Perez was hanging on to, uh, to a Massa coming through on the on the, the only man in the world that did the alternative strategy. Yeah. Uh, so Massa's coming through with quicker tyres quicker in inverted commas there because there wasn't <laughs> apparently much difference from, from pitting or staying on them. So the uh, Massa's charging through after his bad qualifying or well it wasn't necessarily his fault, but I and uh he, and he uh, was only he was only four four tenths ahead of uh, Hulkenberg, so that must have happened fairly late on in the in the lap, yeah. I think. I think Perez oper- that was the only one thing that he had to say about Perez was he was critical on fuel. I mean they had, he had the team radio and they were <laughs> the team radio was like someone, um, you know, it wasn't even it was it didn't sound professional at all. It was just like the engineer was just like, "Oh mate, come on, we're we're really struggling here, man." Like it was like he was having a phone call rather than a, <laughs> a team radio. He was like, "He was like, mate, we're really critical here, man. You have to, can you do this for me, please, mate?" Like he kept using the word "mate." So, um, yeah, Perez was critical on fuel, and so I think he was, you know, obviously fuel saving. Massa's charging through on the. On the the different tires, the your tires, and uh, just just couldn't get into the points at the end. Fair play, Perez managed to managed to hang it on. But Matt Massa finished less than a second behind, so that shows how close it was. Yeah. Sean uh, Eric Verne finished in front of uh, Danny Fiat in his home race. Um, have to question marks have to be raised there, surely, about what happened to the Toro Rosses. No, qualified <laughs> amazing and just raced nothing. I don't know. Remarkable. They finished like. Kvyat finished lapped, and uh, t- and Vern finished twenty seconds behind anything else, behind anything else other than the Saubers and the backmarkers. The only thing I can think about that is that they. I wonder if those cars were massively underfueled. Um, yeah, perhaps they yeah. had to save so much um, throughout the race. So they were there. I wonder if they they really thought. Do you know what I mean? Everybody thinks it's a ninety percent chance of having a. A safety car, fuck it, let's um that's under fuel, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. You don't hear a lot of team radio from them, so you don't know really what the no. sure I think Kvyat did make a mistake from memory somewhere in there, so that might explain why he ended up behind Jev. Um But yeah, bad 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 times for Toro Rosso. Not uh, great. Uh Gutierrez finished ahead of Adrian Sittle. Good. He went uh, mega long. He went mega long on soft tires, and uh, I think that probably did him okay. He took the punt on going mega long, and then after about thirty laps, he was just like, 
the fuck these things aren't going off i'll just keep going <laughs> <Let's see where laughs> and we get. then that was it you know he ended up finishing ahead of his teammate and both of them finished ahead of the lotuses so fair play yeah absolutely um it's- the two Lotus cars were what, 17th and 18th, Grosjean ahead of Maldonado. Yeah, uh, they were terrible this weekend. The only car that they finished ahead of was the caterham of Marcus Ericsson. That's that's a pretty shit state of affairs, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It really, really is. Especially when you hear people thinking that somehow Fernando Alonso is going to go back to them for one season before going to a Mercedes. And I'm like, no, he's not. I think Alonso would much rather sit in Barbados in a fucking... I think honestly that Fernando Alonso would rather fucking run a cheese grater across his scrotum than fucking go to Lotus at the moment. Um, Seems like the kind of guy Alonso that will just go and open up a restaurant in Catalonia or something. So I'm, sure, <laughs> I'm sure he's got like what plenty. To, I think he's got plenty of entertainment if he chooses to take a sabbatical. Indeed, so, that would provide far more enjoyment than driving that Lotus around at the back of the grid. Yeah, indeed. The only thing I would be happy about that was it might mean Maldonado at the car. That would be the only positive. Yes, yes, this is true. <laughs> anyway, um, Marcus Ericsson, last of the um, the finishers. The finishes. Uh, Chilton out very early on in the race um, was fuel related. I think off the top of my head. And then um, oh, the Kobayashi retirement was well, um, very curious. Yes, uh, that was the strangest driver interview I've ever heard. Um, so why did you stop the car? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just told to stop the car. It felt fine though. Oh, okay. So do you think the management stopped it to try and save mileage on the fuel? I don't know. They won't tell me. <laughs> Will you be driving in the next race? I don't know. They haven't told me. It's like, okay, this team. Fucking hell, this team. Yeah, this team. Yeah. There was the bailiffs were at their bloody factory and stuff. You know, it's... Yeah, I'm waiting for that. I'm waiting for the online auction to come out from that. That's... Uh... What are the... What are the... Um, what are they doing? I mean, really. Kobayashi apparently said that he's he's regretted joining them. So, off camera, apparently, he said that too. Yeah, um, I'd, I'd heard that reported. And given that he was running as a sort of Ferrari um, test driver, um, I think that does seem like a fairly, uh, you know, uh, bad state of affairs, really. Um, I feel bad for Kobayashi because he is. I've always liked him. He's he's ballsy. He's happy to overtake. He makes moves. He can be quick on his day, and he's certainly a good enough Formula One driver. But like so many, like your Hami Abugaswari, like like these people, there's just not enough drives to go around. And you look up the grid. He certainly isn't going to get a drive at anybody in the top five teams. He isn't going to get a drive at Toro Rosso because of the nature of that team, and then that leaves. What, Sauber, Lotus, who are both in the absolute doldrums. It's yeah. It's slim pickings for your for your um Kobayashis and your your sort of your Roman Grosjeans of this yeah. world. Like it's really slim pickings for them. I guess the only you know, ironically he's probably with what's happened to um uh Bianchi. There might be a room for him back at um Ferrari possibly. Somewhere along the line if um if they want to get their reserve driver into, you know, Bianchi's seat and then have 
Kamui come back and do the testing. He might be there might be room for him back there possibly if they want if they're willing to have him back. Yeah, perhaps. I don't know how the extent of that situation, but Ferrari are the team that kept Mark Genet and Luca Bordeaux on their test driving books for a long year, a long many years. So it wouldn't surprise me if they take take a guy like Kobayashi on board. Yes. Hmm. Well, um, <laughs> star of the race. Scott, I mean, it's got to be Lewis. He, yeah. he never, he, he never put a foot wrong. I, I don't know. I think the, pro- the point was it was easy for him. Yeah, credit to Nico for hanging on to the tires. Yeah, but <laughs> there wasn't really anything else going it's on. So like. difficult, isn't it? Do you know what? I'm gonna give it to Kevin Magnussen because he was the only guy that I remember doing any large amount of overtaking. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Can't argue that from from coming in from eleventh and then going through the the Red Bulls and the Ferraris to. To put it where He's it the only person be. that I can see went up lots of places. Do you know what I mean? Everybody mm-hmm. else finished, finished pretty much around where they qualified, give or take one or two places. He was the only guy that seems to have jumped four or five places, other than Massa, obviously. But yeah, <laughs> that's kind of you know. Yeah, no, obvious. fair enough. Can't argue with that. Like I say, uh, Lewis, yeah, like Lewis never put a foot wrong all weekend, but he never had to. He never. He was never put under any pressure. That's it, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? He drove, he drove that car up the front like he was on a Sunday stroll, like Brundle called it at one point. He was lifting and coasting. He was saving the engine. He had that, shifting. He had every, everything that you... And, and, and he was 20 seconds clear and half a second a lap faster than anybody behind him. Yep. With a... Yeah, obviously Nico was out of position, so there was no threat there. So, yeah, it was just so, so easy for him. It was remarkable. Uh, retard of the race. Um, I don't know. Was there anybody stand out? Well, lap one. Uh, well, of course, there's Nico. He's he's there, I suppose, but he still finished second, and he would have finished second anyway. So, um, <laughs> I don't think he was ever going to really beat Lewis. So maybe. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I, I denied us a chance at seeing that if he could have, if he could have challenged. So I guess. For that reason, if you're going to pick a driver, then yes. However, the decision to probably build this circuit <laughs> would be quite high on my list at this yes. moment in time. Yes, <laughs> Whoever getting... made that decision, Mr. Eccleston or whoever else powers it be, Herman Tilk, all of you people connected with that. Yeah, I was going to say employing Herman Teak to um, build a circuit is one of them. Uh, to be fair, the Ferrari Jackman... Oh, yeah, what was he doing there? <laughs> it's the second Jackman it appeared to be as well, didn't it? <laughs> Just Fernando's about to floor it and he runs in front of them. <laughs> yeah, he does. He, he's lucky he's still got his legs, quite frankly. So, uh, Yeah, that's probably... For once, we cannot give it to Pastor Maldonado. <laughs> Even this track was too easy for Pastor Maldonado. Even Maldonado could manage this without doing an error. I think that says everything you need to know. That should be the acid test when you're designing a new racetrack. Send Maldonado around, and if he does a lap where he doesn't spin the car, oh, it's too easy. And <laughs> you think of something else. Uh, hmm. How many ra- How many um, out of ten would you give this race? Uh, two out of ten? <laughs> two, two out of ten, yeah. Uh, would not watch again. Would not watch, <laughs> yes. Did not bang. Uh <laughs> Um, right. Well, I'd, 
Is that the quickest we've ever done a, a other than last week where we had to do two races in one? I mean, that's got to be the quickest race review we've ever done. I would think so. It wasn't like we. And I wish we still put a fairly good. I think we eked everything out that we could have. That's <laughs> my point. Eked is about right. Yeah, absolutely. Like a like a force India in its fuel, we managed to eke it out to the very end. Um, well, then, in which case, it must be time for the Formula One news. The final lap podcast news. And, well, I guess we're still talking about driver seats, aren't we? Um, we are. It's a story that refuses to go away, mainly because Fernando Alonso is playing silly buggers <laughs> for all intents and purposes. No one seems to quite know what he's doing. No, it's bizarre. Uh, quoted as saying, I will not be in a Mercedes car, powered car next year. Variously interpreted to say that means he'll be driving a Honda powered car next year. Or he won't be driving any powered car at all. Uh, and we'll be taking a sabbatical to go that, and take a Mercedes seat in 2016. Has anybody considered that he might be driving a Ferrari powered car next season? And Kimi Raikkonen might be going into a second retirement. I must admit, I thought that and I thought that would be the most delicious troll ever. That everybody assumes is Fernando fucking off somewhere else. And he's like, no, I've got a contract with Ferrari. I don't give a fuck. And everybody's just assumed that because Kimi said he would be driving 2015, that somehow... Oh, I don't know. Ferrari might pay him off for the remainder of his contract. <laughs> you know, because that kind of thing never happens. The thing is, you know, Fernando Alonso, I think, will. I think he will drive a McLaren next year. If I was putting a bet on it, I, I would still say he will. I think he will. I said that last show. And I'll say it again. I've seen nothing that makes me think he won't drive a, a, a McLaren next year. But... If he did stay at Ferrari, as slim a possibility as that is, because there's a lot of reports saying that they, they, they properly legally tore the contract up for next season and terminated it officially. So there's a few reports that said that. But if he does stay at Ferrari, and it's a big but, Vettel and Alonso together would be fantastic. <laughs> I think that would be brilliant, but can't see it. Uh, yeah, I think it was driving McLaren. I don't know. The more of... The more I'm watching, the more I'm... I, I, think, I think Button might stay. What do you think about Button? Uh, you know, I I am a fan. Um, I would like to see what Dennis could do in a decent McLaren. Um, he did very well when McLaren had a reasonably good car. be nice to see if you know, McLaren do turn up with a really good car next season to see him get a chance um, in that seat. Um could they drop K-Mag down? Could they try and find him a seat in another team? Could he go back and do what Roman Grosjean did and go back and do GP2 again? Uh, although I know he's not done GP2, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Go back to the lower formula for a year, wait until Button's out and goes. But well, then what do you, what do, you do with a problem like Stoffel van Dorn? Who's, you know rookied his way to potentially second place in GP2 in his first season in a, you know, not a uh, grid-leading car. Um, yeah, it's actually, it's actually, McLaren seem to hold a lot of cards at the moment. They, they could have any 
kind of combination of lineup they felt like. Uh, they can le- realistically have any combination of Alonso Button, Magnus, and Van Dorm, and probably if they really wanted it, they could poach someone else like a Hulkenberg or whatever. You know, one of these these further down guys. They could. So there's maybe like five, six guys that they can pick the two best or who they feel will be the two best. You know, if if we follow what Ron Dennis says and that he wants the two best drivers he can possibly get, then it's Alonso and Button. I think so too, which is why I'm kind of getting a little bit of a hunch that Button's going to be driving a McLaren next season. You know, <laughs> Button's been in the in the press saying he's very at ease over his future, but he's worried about um, Kevin Magnussen. Mm-hmm. Now either he's trolling everybody and he's like, um, "I'm at ease in my future because I'm a fucking billionaire playboy F1 driver. Don't worry about me if I don't get a drive for next season. I'm okay. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm not going to be panhandling on the on the corner of a street to make just to get by. I'm okay, guys. Um, or whether he actually, you know, he's got pretty. You know, he's been either told." speculatively or something you know more concrete that he's he's got a drive for next year and um with the reports of alonso coming he's worried genuinely worried that magnuson is um not going to get a drive who is it magnuson is is jensen button his manager I don't know. Jensen Jensen Button is management team is management of somebody. I can't remember who it is. It's uh, can't remember now. Anyway, fuck it. Um, and it, I was just thinking if that was was Kevin Magnussen, it would make sense to say why he's worried as his manager that he could stay in the team, thus kicking out the guy he manages in favour of Alonso. It would be pretty disastrous, really. Uh. Uh, I don't know. I mean, we've technically yet to hear that Seb is going to Ferrari. Technically, That's true. Yeah, that is true. You know, Horner said it, but Ferrari haven't said it and Seb hasn't said it. So... What? It's, it's, it's like they're all waiting around for someone to blink. And The funniest thing would be if Ferrari assumed, assumed that Seb was coming to them and then... McLaren signed Vettel and Alonso. <laughs> that would be remark. Eddie Jordan said that. Eddie Jordan said there was a chance that Alonso, Vettel, either of them or both could go to Ferrari, uh, McLaren. He expected one of them to go. Was he didn't any one of the two? He didn't say which one, or both. So and Eddie Jordan's normally right. So scary as it seems, <laughs> like. That would be, I mean, I would be furious. Do you know what? <laughs> I wouldn't know what to do myself if I saw Sebastian Vettel in a McLaren car. I'd, I'd feel so conflicted. <laughs> I'd be really, I'd be like, wow, that's pretty, you know, well, okay, let's see how this goes. But there's a bit of me be like, oh, God, I've got to be really happy when he wins now. I don't know how I'm going to do, to do that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I mean, I expect it to be... Alonso and Button at this stage, but who knows? I'm still in the who knows camp, really. Nobody's saying anything. Nobody's committing to anything, so we can't possibly know. <laughs> maybe this time next week, or when we do the next show, we'll have something a bit more concrete. Hopefully, <laughs> we it can't. Be nice. We can't just keep sitting here going, "Who knows what's going to happen?" We don't. <laughs> Unfortunately, 
But yeah, wait and see. It's still a wait and see. We're still hanging around waiting for someone to, to make the first move. Uh, in other news... Um, I suppose we better talk about how the points this weekend wrapped up the title for Mercedes. That's exactly what I was just about to talk about. And yeah. in doing so, um, gave everybody who works for the Mercedes factory a fucking 10 grand bonus. Kind of flew under the radar that championship win because, you know, it's been the writing's been on the wall since fucking Albert Park that they were going to win the Constructors' Championship. It was just, okay, so at what point they would do it? So now that they've done it, it's kind of just like, right, okay, yeah, you've done it. We knew it. Like, it's a bit, it takes none away from their success. Obviously, it's still well done. They've created a brilliant car this season, but like we all kind of expected it a long time ago. So it's difficult to get too, too excited. But yeah, 10 grand, 10 grand bonuses. Wish I got 10 grand bonus. Well, I was going to say, it's funny when I looked at it, I was just like, oh, only 10 grand? And then I had suddenly started thinking about it, thinking, Nah, fucking ten grand, mate. Oh, that's that's more than that's more than good enough, I think. Somehow, um, for you know, they must have like is it is it every every factory member? Is it? I believe so. Yeah. So, what's that like? A thousand guys or something? Five hundred guys? I don't even know how many people get employed at a a team like with that budget. You must think that's a quite a lot of people. You know, they've spent. I've just read it's seven hundred, seven hundred employees. Wow. So, so seven million is the figure. Is seven it? million pound on bonuses. Yeah. Seven. Seven hundred. Times ten thousand. Seven million. Yeah, seven million. Telegraph wow. reports that every designer, engineer, chef, and cleaner. So pretty much everybody. If you work for Mercedes in some capacity, here you go. Have yourself some ten grand. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's. That's not bad going, is it, really? Fair play to them, you know. That's good to see. Um, other news. Um, oh, there's not much, really, actually, is there? Um, not an awful lot. It's Like I say, we're all just waiting for someone to blink, aren't we? Yeah. Uh, Esteban Ocon has gotten the call-up to the lo- from the Lotus Junior team. Uh, <laughs> oh, he must be relishing that. <laughs> um, oh, I bet God. he's a bit like, no, 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 really, don't worry about it. It's fine. I'll do, you know, I'll do another Formula Three season. It's all good. Oh, I've, I've remembered something actually about Lewis. Are they not um, using Mercedes power next year? They are. That's yes. been confirmed. So that might make a bit of difference for their fortunes. You got to think it can only get better with putting the Merck engine in the back of the car. Kind of wonder where it leaves Renault, though. That team that originally was the Renault team now isn't even powered by a Renault. So. Well, it, um, I can't remember who mentioned it. might have been Crofty or somebody. Um, that really just leaves Toro Rosso and, um, Red, Bull. and Red Bull. Now, they've got the Infinity tie-in, so I wonder if they'll just essentially become a, a works Renault team, basically, yeah. um, but under the brand of Red Bull, you know. Renault will work exclusively with with them. They can they will be able to design their chassis solely around, you know, the Renault yeah. engine and work on it directly with the manufacturers and it's not something that's going to be shared with any other teams or potentially any other teams. Yeah. Uh, I mean I could and that should in theory be to the benefit of Red Bull. So Well, you know, they shouldn't be in the same this this series now where, you know, they're waiting on Renault to do stuff because they'll be able to say, No, Renault do something now because They'll be the only people they're building 
Engine's full. Yep. Wait and see how, and obviously, hopefully, it turns around Lotus because this, remember, this is a team that was winning races in the last couple of years. Not a lot of races, mind you, but they had won the odd race. And to go from that to where they have been this season, Puma Roman Grosjean finished, remember, 20, he finished 2013 like a house on fire. He was brilliant in the last six months of 2013 and then just had to drive this thing, this horrible, doesn't even look nice car uh, around for a season. And, you know, I feel bad for Grosjean because I grew to quite quite like him towards the end of last season. So I hope it turns around, turns around their focus because they should at least be battling with with the Toro Rossos and uh, the Force Indias and even even the, even the guys a bit further up. There's no excuse not to be. So hopefully that's good for them. Yeah. With any luck. Um like you said, we we kind of need um, we need some more parity, don't we? It's got to be everything's got to be better for everybody. Um, yeah, and that'll that will make F one better in general. Uh, the only other thing that I really saw was um, Massa coming out in the press after Charlie Whiting said I didn't hear him screaming on the radio. I saw him. I heard him say one thing once. Massa, of course, has come out and said, no, I was right. I was saying it for five laps before the thing. Um, it was pointed out to me today that that meant that he was screaming that conditions were dangerous and too difficult to race from lap uh, 39. Would you like to hazard a guess, Sean, at what number lap Felipe Massa did his fastest lap? Was it lap 39? <laughs> Do you know it really was? <laughs> so... Yeah. Um, I am inclined not to believe that Felipe Massa was screaming on across the radio all the way. Um, I'm sure he said, I'm sure he said it. I just don't think he uh, somehow m mystically predicted that everything was going to happen. But I, I shouldn't really say that because in every situation, Felipe Massa is correct. He's never <laughs> ever wrong. Nothing is ever his fault. Uh, so. Yeah, it has kind of become that in the last couple of years, Felipe. I can't argue with that. And I'm someone who likes Massa a lot. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the news all done and dusted. Uh, so let's look ahead. Um, and we've got a little break now. Um, 18 days as of the recording of this podcast. Till the circuit is the circuit is the circuit of the Americas, isn't it? I think so. That is the name <laughs> of it, I think. It's a stupid name for a circuit. Uh, Austin, Texas, man. Austin, Texas. Uh, for the US Grand Prix. Looking forward to it? Yeah. Yeah. It's gen I uh, had, had a good race last year, I think. I can't really remember that much about it, but it was. I seem to recall enjoying it. So, yeah. Should be all right, actually. It'll be in the, be in the evening, isn't it? It'll be around 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I think. So that's oh, will it. I think the time difference. The Brazil normally is, and it's a similar time difference. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. It should be all right. Yeah. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we should play. What does that track look like? At no point in the um, in the preview of of the race that I expect anything other than a Mercedes victory at this point. So what? there's not an awful lot you can say, really. What? 
I said, what does that track look like? I was I was still talking about how I was going to feel about the race, though. I know, but... I was, <laughs> no. Do you want to do that bit again? <laughs> yes. <laughs> right, what, right. Okay. I'll tell you what, you just talk about your predictions for the race. We'll just, I'll just post yeah. it and we'll do what it looks like afterwards. Yeah, I, was, I thought we did what it looks like, you know, at the very, very end, you know. It's good. We're going to do a wee prediction. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, what was I saying? Yeah, you can't expect anything other than a Mercedes victory. And to be honest, at this point, Hamilton's got the momentum. So you have to kind of kind of fancy him. He uh, won it last year, didn't he? So uh, you got to go with the form. Lewis looks good. Tough to see past him. Yeah. Rosberg will probably come second, and then you, again the Williamses have looked pretty decent, so it'd be hard pushed to see anybody challenge them for for the third spot. Bottas seems to have Massa's number, so it wouldn't surprise me at all if it was the same as as the Russian Grand Prix, the one, two, three. To be honest, no, um, I think it'll be interesting because obviously um, this wasn't a good track for Red Bull last season, so whether it will be an even worse track for them this season. Gives McLaren another team to be ahead of. Um, <laughs> you know, will the McLaren come with uh, something that can give the Williams a scare uh, more than more than this Grand Prix? I wonder. Possibly, um, might be the interesting talk of the race. Possibly, um, but I think I think you're right. It's it's hard to see past those three drivers pretty much being the one, two, three in every race to the end of the season. You know, unless unless the Romania track particularly. Excuse me particularly suit the rebel car you know it'll be the, the the if the track suits red bull then they'll suddenly leap back up again but i don't see it happening uh, i think so too unfortunately uh i just hope i'm not i don't care about the result at this point i just hope for a bit more of an entertaining race than what we had in russia i want to see some good strategy let's see a bit more fighting on the track a bit closer up so whatever happens in the end is largely irrelevant to me it's just um just give me some exciting races is all I really want. So let's hope we get a bit more out of, out of Texas than we did Russia. <laughs> I think we should. I mean, it'd be press bloody not to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Last, last year it was um, it was all right, I think. I can't, my memory's shocking. To, like, I watch a sporting event and, and then like it, the memory of it just goes because I watch that much sports that I can't possibly retain every race, every football match, every everything because i watch pretty much every sport so like i watch it and then it goes but i think i think it was good last year i'm pretty yeah, sure it was I'm, quite good i'm pretty sure i enjoyed it last 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 season so uh, i think it's, i certainly enjoyed the cowboy hats on the podium so yeah so yeah it should be a good one um and i quite like as i've seen the evening the later start time it's good i like to sit and have my dinner with f1 i've always liked that about <laughs> that in lagos yeah <laughs> Yeah, looking forward to it. Oh, never not looking forward to it. Even after a stinker like Sochi, um, still looking forward to it. Still Always F1. looking ahead. So, um, speaking of looking at things, it's time to play What Does That Track Look Like? I've got a couple. But really, I'm, I'm glad because I don't really have one. Really? No. Okay. What do you think? Well, the obvious one is some kind of ceremonia Klingon dagger of some kind. Yeah, it's clearly got that look around it. Something that's highly impractical for ceremonial purposes, um, or an ice climber's axe for for climbing up, you know, sort of sheer ice walls. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah. I uh, then I started to sort of 
sort of squint my eyes in bits and pieces. Now, if you remember last week, I thought that Sochi so- so- looked a bit like a shoe. Yeah, I think this one does this as well. This one is the bit. other shoe. The shoe yeah. has just dropped. It's more of a high heel, this one. Last one, it was a sandal. This one's a high heel, I think. <laughs> Could be. Or maybe the strap's broken on this one, hence the reason why it's at a different angle to the other one. It's been lost. <laughs> Perhaps. Now, bear with me on this one. You'll have to... You have to squint your eyes a bit and look at this one. It looks like an Easter Island head shouting. A what? <laughs> now, <laughs> Easter Island has those big stone heads. I have no idea what that is. Oh, <laughs> right. Open up, open up Google and type in <laughs> Easter Island giant head. I'm going to do the same. I don't even know what Easter Island is. What's Easter Island? It's an island. Uh, but like, is it in? It's in the uh, middle of the Pacific or something. Right. Okay. So it's abroad. Right. Okay. I get you. Right. And you think it's one of their heads doing what exactly? So if you like, especially the ones that are on the sort of hillside and stuff. Now imagine that as a profile. So the nose is to the left. Right. So. The top of the head is the po- very top pointy bit on the right-hand side, yeah? That mm-hmm. slopes down to the nose. And then there is an open mouth shouting. Right. With a little squiggly bit is the top lip, and then it, there's the big chin. And it's just a face bit that's fallen off. <laughs> right, okay. I mean, that's going to take some powerful imagination, but I can, I can, I can see what you're, what you're coming at there. I've never heard of Easter Island before, but then... My um, my island geography in that region is pretty much non-existent, having never been on holiday there. So, yeah, no, uh, okay. I mean, that that's certainly different. It's certainly better than bottle opener. So, there's a couple of good bottle openers on this one, though. So that's that's yeah. kind of okay. Um, I thought it could have been some kind of knuckle duster, other than the fact that there's there's space for the fingers, but then nothing to actually protect the knuckles, so it's an entirely pointless knuckle duster. <laughs> there's yeah. one, there's something there that I feel like I've got one, but I just can't quite pin it down yet, and I'll, I'll be looking at it, and like half an hour's time, we'll go, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> it's one of those ones, <laughs> where I just know there's something there, and I just can't quite get it. God, we take this so seriously, don't we? <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> I get annoyed when I can't think of anything really interesting, so I, I, try, I try very hard, very hard. So I think that um, that takes us nicely towards the end of the show. We managed to eke out a pretty much a our usual sort of length of time for the show, which is pretty good going for an incredibly dull race. No, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. We're going to get them. But they've been generally okay this season, the races. Most of the time, we were kind of due a 2 out of 10. Kind of, like I say, I used to hate Valencia. And this just reminded me a lot of Valencia, unfortunately. They're trying too hard. Yeah. With the circuit yeah. design. Absolutely. Trying to force things like, because people like street circuits and that, they're trying to force it a little bit rather than just, you know. And Bernie said a little bit of an annoying thing during, over the weekend where he said, talking about the old circuits and how he wanted them to come into the modern era. And that just kind of, so what does that mean, Bernie? Do you want them to pay you more money, basically? Which, uh, it kind of just ground my gears a wee bit because the old circuits are clearly the racer circuits and the new circuits are the ones that are paying Bernie more money. Anyway. 
Yes. Well, let's uh, let's wrap up the show then for this week. Um, it's been a pleasure to yet again come on with Mr. Sean Gray and uh, talk to you guys about Formula One. Uh, we like to do it as often as is possible, uh, and we highly appreciate that you uh, tune in, listen to us, and respond to us uh, through the various social media outlets that we uh, we purvey ourselves on. That's obviously iTunes. You can subscribe and uh, download the podcast from there. We would very much appreciate if you have five minutes, just click on the rate button, either give us a rating in the stars or if you can leave a review for the podcast, that would be very much appreciated. It helps us uh, spread our message a little bit further, gets us uh, up those iTunes rankings so that um, you can feel slightly less alone about being the only person that listens to the podcast. Uh, thank you very much. Um, we also publish to TuneIn, uh, which has a downloadable app uh, for, I believe, both Android and iOS devices, so you can get it on your iPhone or other. Um, take us with you wherever we go. Um, you can always catch the episodes, uh, download them, and or stream them from our website, which hosts all of the episodes, and that's modernfanatical.co.uk. Uh, please get in touch with us through Facebook. Um, just search for The Last Lap Podcast in the... Uh, in, in your Facebook uh, browser, you'll find us there. Um, we respond to everything that gets posted to us, um, pretty much regardless. Uh, we put up a a, <laughs> a a post today asking for some thoughts and pieces on um, things we could talk about, and we've covered them both. So thanks to Steve Pearson, who may or may not be my dad, um, <laughs> and Jim Helwig, who's uh, fast becoming the biggest fan of the podcast that there has ever been and possibly ever will be. Um, but he's uh, definitely kept us entertained with his thoughts um, on the last few races, so that's really great. We love, uh, we love hearing from you guys and responding to it and uh, trying to work it into the podcast as best as possible. Um, and the other place you can catch us is Twitter. Um, follow at last lap podcast for anything show related you can follow us personally on at man called megs for me oh sorry and, and uh, follow me at fog on the fourth sean isn't always <laughs> asleep when he does the podcast but occasionally he does when i witter on about all the ways that you can get in contact with us i know it's boring sean i have to do it <laughs> if people don't then they don't know where to contact us <laughs> that's fine don't so uh, thanks very much everybody for listening uh, and if you can keep yourself awake until next week we'll see you then thanks very much cheers bye